0: Good morning and welcome to our Bible readings and our sermon on Sunday the thirteenth of November, uh, day of our remembrance service at St James. Uh, we're going to start with our first reading, which is from the second Thessalonians chapter three and verses six to thirteen and Now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives. And don't follow the tradition they received from us, for you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night. We so would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us. We wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command: Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives. Refusing to work and meddling in other people's business, we command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from Luke chapter 21 and verses 5 to 19. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? What will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am he. And the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You'll be betrayed even by parents brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's pray uh, as we consider these readings. Father, thank you. For the gift of your word, and the gift of the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth, would you fill us again, and help us to hear your voice as you speak to our hearts this morning? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today is uh, Remembrance Sunday. Uh, we had uh, we celebrated Armistice Day on Friday, the ending of the First World War. Uh, we had a uh, 2 minutes silence that we celebrated on Friday, that we observed on Friday. Uh, and this morning, we have an act of remembrance uh, that will take place uh, outside in the church grounds by our cross, uh, with the guides and the brownies uh, dipping their flags in respect and and remembering for two minutes uh, those who've given their lives in conflict, not only in World War I, but in conflicts um, throughout the time since and around the world. Uh, The news today is full of uh, the events in Ukraine, uh, the liberation of uh, Kherson in Ukraine, uh, the fact that Russia has had to retreat from there and the people are celebrating, but also looking at the damage uh, and thinking about how they, how they begin to rebuild and about what this means, what will happen next. So as we look at these readings Uh, I want to start by asking you uh, what does peace look like for you is it about an absence of war is it about there not being active conflict Um, is it about being able to shut your front door and everything inside your home being quiet and being peaceful Uh, I think that last one depends on the situation inside your home um if there are children in there then peace is only ever a temporary state um but it's important this morning i think to think about not only international peace but actually individual peace peace I- in our lives what it means for for us individuals and in this community because we elect those in government we uh, we put pressure Uh, on those who are who are at war by supporting various charities and uh, through our MPs. But actually, the thing we have most impact on is whether or not we have peace in our hearts, whether we have peace from ourselves uh, or not. And uh, I was struck that as we looked at the Gospel reading, the disciples are stood with Jesus in Jerusalem looking at the temple now the temple is uh, historically where uh, the Jewish people saw God's presence uh, as as living as dwelling amongst them so if you look through the Old Testament um, God moves with the people of Israel um, in the Ark of the Covenant Um, and so wherever uh, wherever they go they take God with them Uh, There is an occasion when the ark is uh, captured by the Philistines uh, and the Philistines are plagued and cursed until they are they are sending it back with gifts and gold and apologies um, because of the power that is is in that place. So um, the ark goes everywhere. And then David says, this is God's dwelling place. It needs to be a temple. Uh, but David doesn't build it God says it's not for you Solomon built the temple and it is beautiful it is it is an amazing building it's the best that can be done but as the people of Israel turn away from God it's destroyed it's it's broken down it is um, ransacked by the Babylonians Um, and there is there's a huge amount of questioning from the from the Jewish people was like, what does it mean that our temple is gone now in Jesus day the temple has been rebuilt uh, it took 30 years it took a generation to build it but now they had the temple again they had uh, the place that God dwelt God was with them so um, they were no longer gonna lose their battles they could drive off invaders they were back as they wanted to be as a people. Except they weren't. Uh, the Roman Empire was in charge of them. The Roman soldiers. Uh, well basically told them what to do. They paid their taxes to Caesar in Rome. So they had the temple. And now they were waiting for a Messiah. They are waiting for a king like David. To drive out the Romans. And bring peace. To the people of Israel to bring peace to God's people so they could live like they used to under David and Solomon with the surrounding nations paying homage and giving money and gifts uh, enjoying all the influence uh, that you should have taking up that position on the edge of the Mediterranean being able to trade with Asia one way with Africa another with Europe another It is the Middle East Uh, they were in an amazing position They wanted that influence they'd had before. And so I think if we'd asked the disciples, if we'd asked uh, anyone around the temple in Jesus' day, what does peace look like? Well, peace looks like worshipping God in his temple and ruling over their country for themselves. Actually, the invaders being driven out uh, and being in control of the promised land, the land God had given them once again and so the temple is a part of this stage one is complete we have the temple and the disciples are looking at it and so as we look in Luke 21 and verse 5 the disciples are remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God the disciples are there and they're from up they're from up north they're from Galilee everything's quite simple they come to Jerusalem for the major celebration a couple of times a year and they come in and they are gazing at the temple going oh jesus look it's beautiful look at, look at how beautifully this is done this is god's temple this is where god lives uh, and this is a sign that we are we are rebuilding as a people we are moving towards enjoying that that shalom that peace of god that will that will spread out onto his people and beyond to the world look at this jesus but jesus said as for what you see here the time will come when not one stone will be left on another every one of them will be thrown down well <laughs> that's a bit of a, a conversation stopper isn't it it's like oh so of course the disciples go the other way they can it's like, when's this gonna happen because If we think about the temple as being a sign of the restoration of of God's people, they've come back to God. They're keeping the law again. They've rebuilt the temple. And then so now it just needs God to send them aside to drive out the Romans. And they are back where they should be. And Jesus says, no, this isn't stage one. This temple will be destroyed. It's going to be so that not one stone is on top of another. And actually, with the benefit of hindsight, we can see that uh, the Roman Empire came and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem uh, around AD 70 um, in response to a uh, to rebellion uh, in Palestine. It was it was absolutely crushed and the temple was destroyed and actually it's never been rebuilt. So if we talk to uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters, uh, they talk about, um, you know, not be able to make sacrifices at the temple anymore since they're sacrificed by observing the law. They keep Torah. They they keep the law of God and in that way they are making this ongoing sacrifice to God because this dream of God's presence in his temple and his people around enjoying their own land the land God gave them is gone. It, it The Romans came and stamped all over it, and the history of Jerusalem since then has been anything but peaceful. Now, I thought about this and about this idea of that disciples was looking at the temple and seeing peace, God's peace coming, stage one complete and I thought about myself and what what peace looked like to me before. Now, back when I was uh, a teenager, uh, I people would say tell you that I was uh, lovely but naive, um, bright but no common sense, and um, I was really I, I was always did I did well at school. i had the sort of brain that that worked with what teachers wanted, and so it was in, a huge part of my who I was was that I was top of the class, or, or thereabouts. Uh, didn't mind about art or one of those, you know, the important subjects, I was top of the class. Uh, Apologies to anyone who loves art. I've I've learned since then. But for me, um, the future as I was uh, in my teens was that uh, I was going to go to university. Uh, I was going to apply to uh, Oxford and Cambridge. I was going to apply to a really good university, uh, get a good degree uh, and then uh, start my career. And I was going to uh, get married, um, buy a house, settle down, uh, and then I would live in that house for, well, the rest of my days. Uh, My father still lives uh, in the house that that he grew up in. So that that was my expectation, was that I would um, go to a top university, get into a a good career that would provide for me and my family, uh, get married, move into a house, and Stuff that would be me for the next 50 years Uh, that was the plan that was the plan until Um, so I had I went to um, I applied to to Cambridge in the end to Magdalen College Uh, they interviewed me they uh, didn't think I was awful and they said we'd love we'd like you to come I don't think they said we'd love you to come said we'd, we'd like you to come uh, you can come if you get these A-level results uh, and I thought oh, that's fine I can do that hurrah off we go uh, Cambridge that's right because I'm bright uh, the plan is a foot off we go uh, and it was all systems go up until the day I got my A-level results and they were okay my A-level results but I was one grade away from what Cambridge University wanted as a result I couldn't go to Cambridge now you say now that's not the end of the world actually for me at 18 that was the end of the world because that was the plan that I was I was the top of the class, so therefore I would go to a top university and then I'd get into a, a top career, and then that's how everything was gonna go. And suddenly I wasn't top of the class. I'd I'd missed the grades that I needed to get to that university. I had failed. I wasn't as clever as, as other people. I have to tell you that it took it took a long time to get over that. In fact, I was in denial for quite a long time, um, finding various excuses. And um, I was taking a gap year to go work uh, with a church. So I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll reapply. I'll, I'll go next year instead. And over the course of that year, God slowly helped me, A, accept that I hadn't got into Cambridge and I probably I didn't have the the time and the resources the energy to to retake the the one exam that I needed to do Um, and actually it was fine to go to my second choice and more than that God said Steve I don't love you because you're clever I don't love you because um, of your exam results it makes no difference to me which university you go to. I love you, I just love you. Over the course of the next couple of years, I'd find myself myself in um, service, church services, worship, um, crying um, for no reason there was nothing sad going on there was nothing there was nothing wrong but I would find myself um, crying during um, the singing and I didn't understand why I didn't I didn't know what was going on Uh, and I look back now and I just I think God was gently (laughs) helping me grieve for the ruins of my temple. I built a temple. I built a stage one for my plan for peace, which was uh, the exam results, the top university, the top career, um, the married and in a house and settled and not moving for 50 years. That was my temple and and it was ruined. And actually. I was sad (laughs) and it was okay that that I cried over that and that as I cried over that, God gently started to help me see that he loved me. That he loved me for, for me, for who I was. He didn't love me based on what I'd done. He didn't love me based on what I was going to do or what I was able to do he just loved me now there's a story I'll I'll share on another occasion about ways God illustrated to me that the way I viewed the world that it was about whether you were intelligent or not the, how wrong that was um, that's that's for another day but this was just about the fact that my idea of what would make me happy of what peace would look like was on something that wasn't stable. I think even if I had succeeded and gone to Cambridge, even if I had got into a good career, you think there are so many things that could crack and and cause that temple to to move or to subside. It's like if I had an issue with my health, um, or one of my family members had an issue with their health, and I wasn't able to work in the same way. Um, if as I got into my career. Um, I made a mistake I found that I wasn't able to do uh, the work that they were asking of me and my understanding of what I'm able to do and what I'm good at is very different now to what it was when I was 18 Um, there's all sorts of things that might have made me um, my idea of peace my picture of this this temple of Steve at peace that could still have come crashing down in my 20s in my 30s in my 40s anything could have made that vulnerable but nothing can ever take away the fact that God loves me nothing can ever change the fact that my relationship with God will last forever whatever happens whatever I do however my faith struggles however my work goes up and down. Uh, it doesn't matter. God loves me. And through Jesus, I am saved. I belong to God. I am his son. And in that, there is peace. In that, there is freedom. I don't have to strive. I don't have to achieve anything in order to be loved and accepted by god now having said that in common with most clergy i i end up building other temples i build up the temple of um getting through the pandemic well uh, or you build the temple of um achieving at church uh what have i got um, in my church that i can tell other people of that i can go oh look i have done this well If we're vicars, we say God's done this at my church. Um, We're all human. But we create temples where we kind of go, look, I can feel peaceful because this is good. I can feel peaceful because people think well of me. I can feel peaceful because my children are doing well at school. I can feel peaceful because um, there are any number of reasons. But whenever our peace is based on something that is not God, then we are vulnerable. If it's if our peace comes from how well our children do academically, then their health or or their struggles, that that takes our peace away. That 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 shakes our temple. Uh, If uh, our security is in our career and our financial security, then Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng do what they do to mortgage rates um, or with the threat of redundancy at work or a reshuffle, a restructuring at work and redundancies that that makes our temple uh, wobble because it's like, ah, that's my piece and it might be gone. Now. This isn't about telling us off. It's a human thing to strive to make ourselves secure to give ourselves peace but jesus keeps saying to us in this world in this short life there's going to be trouble he tells the disciples that there's going to be persecution people will betray you people will drag you into court and accuse accuse you of things because of what you've done in my name if the disciples don't have trouble that suggests they're not doing what Jesus asked them to do. There will be struggles. And he finishes with them saying, um, everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. Stand firm and you will win life. And our vision here at St. James has been, we are standing on the rock of Jesus. We are standing firm among, amidst all the turmoil, all the changes, all the difficulties and the struggles. We aim to have our peace based on what Jesus has done for us, what is already achieved, and not on what we're doing, not on what we manage. Now, that's not to say that um, sit back, kick back, switch the telly on, do nothing. Jesus has work for us to do, and if we are um, his disciples, we're following him, people will be against us. There will be opposition. But the difference is we don't work to earn God's love, we are loved, we are accepted. We are filled with God's peace. And out of that place of security and being loved, we then go out and we serve the world. We tell other people about Jesus. Uh, We look to do what God is asking us to do as his people. As Paul says to the Thessalonians, don't get tired of doing good you don't have to do good to be Christian but it's like but you're loved God is with you God is in you the Holy Spirit is in you and God is always looking to love and to bless and to give so we should let ourselves get swept up in that we are loved so we can love we are blessed so we can bless Jesus has served us and made a way for us to be close to God so we can serve others The pandemic showed up for lots of churches that the Christians have made temples of the way that they have church. Actually, a church service needs to be like this. And then I can have peace. Then Then everything is okay. And then the pandemic came and we couldn't have church like that. And so our temples wobbled. Sometimes things upset us. Sometimes it's not that a thing that has happened is wrong, but it's that our peace is in the wrong thing. So I would encourage you in the coming week, keep a diary. Of what you pray for keep track of what you ask God for what you are thinking day by day and think to yourself each day what where does your peace come from where does your security come from and allow God to show you where you are looking to the wrong things to give you a sense of well-being, a sense of of things being okay. Now, this isn't so that um, we can beat ourselves up and kind of go, "Oh no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm just oh, I keep thinking about them. none of that." This is to free us. When our peace is in the wrong thing, then anything can shake us. Anything can can take apart. destroy that temple at a moment's notice but those whose trust is in the Lord can never be shaken so our call as we remember the horrific events uh, of 1940 to 1918 uh, the horrific events of of World War II of the Falklands of Iraq, Afghanistan uh, of Yemen, of Ukraine, of Afghanistan, all these places, as we remember those places this remembrance Sunday, there's a call to to keep our peace, our sense of who we are, rooted and stood on Jesus and only on Jesus, because in him there is peace. In him, there is freedom. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. That you have done all that is needed. For us to be forgiven. For us to be free. For us to be uh, in relationship with God forever. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit upon us and show us where we have built temples to other things. We've put our peace, our security in things that are other than you. Lord, would you help us to, to break those temples down, to receive our peace from you and you alone? To take our security from you, and you alone, so that we would be freed to serve others, to love others, to bless others, to the glory of your name. Amen. Thank you for for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, if it is before. Uh, 10:45. As you're watching this, just a reminder that it's our usual 10:30 service. Uh, but at 10:50, we're going to make our way outside and we'll have our act of remembrance uh, in the church garden um, next to the cross uh, and next to, next to the main roads down the avenue. So you are very welcome to join us for our service for the act of remembrance. Um, it's always a delight to see you. Have a good week and God bless. Bye bye.